0: Let us together turn our hearts to God in prayer. Spirit of the risen Christ, let loose on this earth. Be in this place. For if you are not, then nothing else matters. And if you are, say it with me, church, nothing else matters. Amen. Hear these words from the Gospel of John in the 20th chapter. Early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed from the tomb. So she went and ran to get Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one whom Jesus loved, and said to them, They have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we do not know where they have laid him. Then Peter and the other disciples set out and went toward the tomb. The two were running together, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. He bent down to look in and saw the linen wrappings lying there, but he did not go in.
1: Several years ago, there was a movie called Stranger Than Fiction. I don't know if any of you saw it. Will Farrell plays Harold Crick, an auditor for the IRS. And one day, Harold begins to hear the voice of a woman describing his thoughts and actions in real time. So, for example, while he's brushing his teeth, he hears a voice saying, Harold brushes his teeth exactly 76 times, 38 vertical strokes, 38 horizontal. He discovers that he is a character in a story that's being written by this woman, the voice he hears. And as you can imagine, he becomes obsessed with finding out how the story ends. Harold goes to see a literature professor, played by Dustin Hoffman, who tells him there are basically two kinds of stories, comedies and tragedies. Now, comedies aren't necessarily funny. A comedy is a story with a happy ending. The main character wins, the hero saves the day, the couple rides off into the sunset, all the loose ends are tied up, everybody lives happily ever after. In a tragedy, the story has a very different ending. All the loose ends stay loose, everything falls apart, nobody really gets what they want, and often the main character dies. Harold needs to figure out if his story is a comedy or a tragedy. I won't tell you what happens to Harold, you can watch the movie for yourself. But it occurs to me that that same question hangs over our lives and everything we do doesn't it what kind of story are we living a comedy or a tragedy the disciples thought they knew what kind of story they were living It had been a good story. In their time with Jesus, they had learned and seen and done more than they could even imagine. The mother of all wedding parties with the best wine in the world, the the rabble rousing in the temple, feeding the crowds with the loaves and the fishes, all the things Jesus had said and done. It had been an amazing journey. But now it was over. Jesus was a prophet and a dreamer and we all know how these things go as with so many prophets and dreamers before and since the powers that be finally got fed up with jesus and killed him it had been a good story but it had a tragic ending only that wasn't the end which is why we're all here today Mary Magdalene came to the tomb that first Easter Sunday. We don't really know why. Maybe it's because she couldn't let go, couldn't accept that the story was over. And when she got there, she found something unexpected. The the stone covering the tomb had been rolled away. When the other disciples came and saw it, and then they did something very strange. Did you notice this? They went home. You'd think they'd at least be curious and want to stick around to to figure out what had happened, but no, they went home. They thought the story was over, and so there was nothing left to do but go home and get on with their lives. But Mary stayed. She stood weeping outside the tomb, and because of that, because she stayed, because she stuck it out, because she couldn't or wouldn't believe the story was over, she became the first witness of the good news the story was not over death did not get the last word the powers that be politics and religion they didn't get the last word either god got the last word and what looked for all the world like a tragedy turned out to be a comedy after all now this is really ground zero for our faith it is the most daring, outrageous thing we can say. Our story, the whole sad, wonderful human story, the whole story of creation is not a tragedy. So Easter tells us it's a comedy. And when we get to the last page, when it all comes down and the dust finally settles, somehow, some way, the story will have a happy ending. Now that is not always an easy thing to affirm. There is so desperately much death and pain, love lost, lives destroyed, hopes scattered before the wind. We seem to live not in an Easter world, but a Good Friday world. Theologian Jürgen Moltmann was conscripted at age 17 into the German army, and he witnessed the firebombing of his hometown of Hamburg, 40,000 civilians were killed and he wrote that Good Friday is the center of the world and yet Easter hope still stirred within him so he also wrote that Easter morning is the sunrise of the coming of God, the laughter of the universe is God's delight, it is the universal Easter laughter in heaven and earth. You know, we associate Easter with many things, chocolate bunnies and jelly beans, Easter egg hunts, spring flowers, scratchy church clothes, singing hallelujah. But maybe we should also associate it with laughter. Yes, the Easter story begins among the tombs with weeping and grief, despair and death, but it doesn't end there. Yes, Jesus' friends abandoned him. Their hopes died with him on Good Friday. But Mary Magdalene, Mary Magdalene seemed to have a faith that somehow, some way, the story was not over, that there might still be laughter on the other side of grief. You know, there's laughter in Luke's version of the Easter story too. Only it's not the joyful laughter of resurrection, it's cynical laughter. In Luke, when the women come to the disciples and tell them about the empty tomb, the disciples don't believe it. They laugh it off. They dismiss it as an idle tale, a fairy tale. You know, in our modern cynicism, to call something a fairy tale is to say that it's less than true but our greatest storytellers have always known that fairy tales are not less than true, but more. The fairy tales of old may have had all kinds of fantastic things in them, great adventures and magic and mystical creatures, dragons even, but as author Neil Gaiman has said, they are not less true, but more true. Not because they tell us that dragons exist, but because they tell us that dragons can be beaten. Easter tells us that life can overcome death, that joy can overcome grief, that light can overcome darkness, that dragons can be beaten. It's not less than true, but more. It's not too good to be true. It's too good not to be true. So maybe we should follow Mary's example She stayed outside the tomb. She stuck it out. She didn't give up or give in. Everyone else went home. The story was over. The book was closed. But Mary refused to accept that. Woody Allen said, 90% of life is just showing up. Maybe the other 10% is staying put. I think that's what faith is all about. Sticking it out in the broken places of life. Trusting that though this looks for all the world like the end of a tragic story, the story's not over yet. And maybe it's up to us to take up the story and to finish it with our lives, to take some of that wonder and life and love that we find at the empty tomb and bring it into all the broken and ordinary places and moments of our lives, to write a new story out of the dust of our lives, a story that is infused with the laughter of heaven. There once was a poor man who grew weary of the corruption and hatred that he experienced every day. His family and friends listened as he spoke passionately of his desire for a city where justice was honored and peace a reality. Night after night he dreamed of a land free from discord, a city where heaven touched earth. One day he announced he could wait no longer he packed a meager meal, kissed his family and set out in search of the magical city of his dreams. He walked all day and just before the sunset he found a place to sleep just off the road in a, in a forest and he ate his meal and said his prayers and smoothed the earth where he would lie down. And then just before sleep he placed his shoes in the center of the path pointing them in the direction he would continue the next day. That night, as he slept, a sly fellow walked along the path, that same path, and discovered the traveler's shoes there. And unable to resist a practical joke, he turned the shoes around, pointing them in the direction from which the man had come. Well, early the next morning, the traveler rose, said his prayers, ate what remained of his food, and then started on his journey by walking in the direction his shoes pointed. He walked all day long, and just before the sunset, he saw the heavenly city off in the distance. It wasn't as large as he expected, and it looked strangely familiar. He that looked much like his own, knocked on a familiar door, greeted the family he found there, and lived happily ever after in the heavenly city. You know, it is tempting to give up on this world and look for another. It is tempting sometimes to turn our backs and walk away. Well, maybe God is something of a practical joker. And on Easter, God turns our shoes around, pointing us back toward life. Now, I don't want to play games here. I certainly don't want to deny the senselessness and suffering of life. It still often seems like a Good Friday world. But Easter whispers to us, it will be all right. Whatever comes, it will be all right. In a way we may not be able to imagine, it will somehow be all right. Or as Julian of Norwich put it, all shall be well, and all shall be well, and all manner of things shall be well. Let us go out with Easter faith in our hearts and alleluias on our lips. Let us tell the story and live the story, a story too good not to be true. Christ is risen.
0: Hallelujah. Amen.